And now, from a secret location somewhere in Nevada, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men having a beer break next to the Ark of the Covenant. It's Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Holy Spielberg, who wrote that one, Bob? Who sent that in? Why do you care? I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Stuart Moncure? Some random? Yeah. From Nevada? I'm sorry. Stuart Moncure. Yeah, there we go. Wow. That's exciting. It's, that's, yes, it uh, is. That's announcer Bob. Hey, Bob Alula. You, you like how I make like I'm having a conversation with him? Yeah, really, that's totally manufactured. Com- completely, entirely. Like most of the conversations you have with people. Oh, oh, oh cruel. How cruel world. Speaking of cruel, the Lakers. Yeah, well, they got, they got to pull it out, man. They got to pull it out. Oh, they will. Wade, what is happening with movies, Wade? Why do movies suck so bad? I don't know. Well, I know. Of course I know. It's a much bigger conversation and one that is uh, really arduous. But you know what? I uh, had dinner the other day with a friend of ours who works for a very prominent production company. will not say the name. Don't want to get anybody into trouble here. But the conversation turned to the principle of the company that this person works for and what this individual is currently excited about in movies. And it made me want to cry. Because I thought, really? Really? What are you, five years old? It was it was Wait, that it was that stupid it? juvenile. I'm not going to say. Well, okay, you you told so little of that story. I know that the audience is going to be like, okay. No, but uh, it, what but do I take suffice from that? to say, here's what you take from that. You, what you take from that is that the people who are running these companies, who are walking into work every day, who are already worth millions and millions of dollars, people who have nothing to lose really in this business. I mean, it, it's not going to hurt them to walk into into work and say, you know what? I think I want to make a movie about. You know, I, I want to, about people in the 1950s and how they were sort of coping with, uh, you know, issues. I mean, you could do that, and you could you could make that little movie and and can still I survive. Translate? Can I translate that? Yeah, I want to be fired. That's that's really what they. Yeah, but they but woke the, up the, one but, day and said, "I want to be fired." No, but these are people who can't get fired because they're the ones that do the firing. These are this is this is the person who but is the like the, the big no, G's. No, there's always the stockholders. There's always the stockholders. Screw the stockholders. That's not true. That's who that's who they work for. No, they don't. They work for audiences. They work for audiences. No, they have to fool the audiences to see, see their See, there's the problem. There's so the that problem. The stockholders can be happy. They're fooling audiences. That's the problem. You don't fool audiences. You don't even try to. That's the problem. That's the problem. Way the problem <sighs> is is that uh, I digress. Uh, the problem is that you are a uh, I'm a purist. You're a purist. You have a quixotic, the, the, quixotic. You have a quixotic desire. A, a don, a don quixotic desire. A don quixotic desire. Yes. Quixotic's a word. It is a word. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Well, I said quixotic for some reason. A quixotic desire to see movies revert back to the way it was before people cared about uh, opening weekend box office. I'd, I'd frankly like to see painting revert to the way that it was uh, in the Flemish period too. What cave? You want cave paintings? You no, know, I want I want Rembrandt. I want people to paint like Rembrandt again. What's wrong with uh, Andy Warhol or Basquiat? <sighs> DVDs. Wait, here's the thing. You yeah. realize um, Lion King is coming out on Blu-ray. I know. How awesome is that? Not very awesome. Not what? You Not like Lion King? No. No, that's when that's when I uh, that's when they lost me. That's when the Disney animated films lost me. Really? Like, yeah. Lion you King know. was great. Lion King is Hamlet. Okay, I mean, fine. they were like, it's the first Disney animated film that is not based on pre-existing material. And you see it and you go, yeah, it is. It's Hamlet. Well, whatever. It's I mean, great. come on. Hakuna Matata, whatever. Release date, not Lion. announced. Although June, uh, uh, June 7, Wade. Yes. Another year. Mike. Uh, what? Oh, oh, Mike Lee. Mike Lee, another year. Yeah, another year as in the title of a movie. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. And by the way, uh, um, what happened with um, Julian Schnabel's mural? I know that came and went. What the hell happened? It's coming out. Anchor, get it, get it, get it, get this. Yeah. July twelfth, coming out on uh, on uh, Blu-ray. Anchor Bay. Did you see it? I did not. I'm a huge fan of both of his other films. Yeah, I. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have to. I've got, I have a screener of it at home, actually. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. Me borrow. Yeah, I have to watch it first, but then then I'll let me borrow. Me borrow. Yeah, you can do that. Me borrow. So, um, 
Yeah. Why don't we talk about what? What Mui, are you talking about? Muay Thai Giant? May I talk about Muay Thai Giant for a moment? Actually, can I say one more thing that's very important? Go ahead. Before Muay Thai Giant, which no one cares Go about. Go ahead. That's fine. On uh, DVD File, yes. which you and I used to write for. Yes. I wrote for DVD File for years. I did too. And I'm a huge fan of them. They still do great work at DVDFile.com. Uh, they are reporting that um, a Blu-ray edition of Monty Python and the Holy Grail will be announced by Sony very soon. Right. And we really hope that happens, because I don't know how many Monty Python and the Holy Grail DVDs I can own. Yeah. Because there's a whole bunch of different releases. There's a, a lot of them. A lot of them. different extras. What I want, I want to see uh, Spamalot, which is the musicalized version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which I had the enormous privilege of seeing on Broadway with the uh, original cast, minus one member. Uh, but that was a phenomenal production. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, you, you, seriously, while you can still get that cast to come back for a movie, make the damn movie. I mean, really, Spamalot would be a phenomenal movie. They really should make that movie. Why, that why? Why Why? is no one even talking about making Spamalot into a movie? Why? I don't know. You know why? Tim because Curry, man. Tim Curry. Tim freaking Curry. Get him out there. See, It's you, hysterical. You got to hope that the young, <sighs> that older folks will see it. Because it's and, Monty Python. And you know who directed it on Broadway? Uh, wait, it was uh, Mike Nichols. Yeah. He knows how to make movies. No, he doesn't. A little bit. God, Mike. Isn't it amazing that, like, of all those old school guys, Mike Nichols is still around? I know. How many speaking guys? Of, speaking of, not that this has anything to do with that. Uh, this is completely different. But uh, there was a little, there's a little uh, animated short. It's incredibly irreverent. I'm not even going to tell anybody how to find it. You just got to dig, dig for it. But it's an Easter Bunny thing. It's got just just Google Santa Claus Easter Bunny and Jesus, and uh, you'll come up with a little animated short. One of the funniest things I have ever seen in my life. Really crude animation. These guys must have spent a buck fifty making this thing, but it is truly hysterical. Is it uh, is it Santa Claus the Easter Bunny the Tooth Fairy and Jesus? Uh, I don't think the Tooth Fairy was in it. Okay. No, but it's it's basically oh Jesus versus the Easter Bunny. Oh my gosh, it's the funniest thing ever. It really is. It's just tr- truly hilarious. There, you're, now you're going to watch it. Okay, fine. Go ahead and watch it while I uh, while I talk about Muay Thai Giant. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on in, uh, and there's a good reason why I'm starting the show with this. Oh, you, there you go. You, you really are watching it. There you go. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Too funny. Okay. I'm really waiting for you to finish watching this. Is that what I'm doing? I'm suffering our listeners. Got 20 seconds left. Okay, fine. Eight Um, months later. Yeah, exactly. Hang on. Mm -hmm. This is eight months later. Eight months later. (laughs) This is too funny. Uh, the 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 comedy climax was a visual joke. Yes. So I did not want to. I don't want to explain. Okay, Muay Thai Giant. Oh yeah. Yes. Thank you. You know what? uh, A lot of the a lot of this the the, the filmmaking that's going on in Thailand, especially in martial arts films, is phenomenal. I gotta say, this is not great, but it's interesting. Now, this guy Nathan Jones, who's like some kind of Australian wrestler, and who's you know huge, enormous, giant, big, massive man. Uh, he's like seven feet. He's huge. He's all muscle. He's the guy uh, that stars in this. And uh, it's interesting because I have not seen a Thai martial arts film that has starred a Westerner, much much less anybody this big. But you know what? Prakya uh, Pankow, who is huge, whose name I'm sure I'm mutilating, who's been kind of the, the big go-to guy for a lot of these films, most of them with Tony Jaa, is the uh, the mover and shaker behind this, and uh, it is uh, it, it's got its moments. I gotta say that it's really uh, it's got its moments. This should have been some kind of a crossover film. Probably could have had a limited release, uh, but apparently Magnolia didn't see fit to do so. So it is now on Blu-ray from as a part of their Magnet line, which is the genre division of Magnolia. And uh, you know, if you if you just want to see a good Thai kickboxing film with uh, an unusual star, why not? Go for it. Muay Thai Giant. Now, that leads me to segue 
into the subject of Magnolia. Um, Mark, as long as we're talking about Magnolia... Love the movie. Uh, thank you. But I'm talking about the distribution company, Magnolia and Landmark, all for sale. Mark yeah, that Cuban. is bizarre. Not at all. I predicted it. I knew you it was going to happen. Know. I did. Look, Mark Cuban, he, he had an idea. He, you go day and date, and that suddenly this was all going to take off, and you oh, make the movies. Was, that was a bunch of crap. Well, of course. That was the only reason he acquired all of this, so that he would have this multiple-pronged releasing strategy thing. He was going to make it all digital, and people were going to watch at home, and they were going to buy the DVDs and go to the theaters, and they were going to some di- video on demand, and all everything it was going to be this giant release strategy, and every he was going to prove everybody wrong. And, of course, he didn't, so now he just wants to sell because it ain't working out like he thought. He's realizing the movie business is a little bit harder than he thought. Can't just buy his way in. No, you can't. So, just want to say, this is, you know, Muay Thai Giant, get it while you can, because the company's getting sold. And he's saying, oh, it's got to be the right price, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, 50 Cent. By the way, we got a lot of crap this week. I don't want anybody sitting here thinking that we're going to be getting down to some, like, special edition of uh, Gone with the Wind or, or Star Wars or something. It ain't happening. Not this week. Not this week. This is one of those weeks. Yeah, but so, look at that criterion down there. I know, there's some good stuff. I'm, sa- I'm not saying there yeah. isn't some good stuff, but there's a lot of crap. So get ready, get ready for a cavalcade of crap, okay? You know what? Uh, you will, by the way, you will be seeing that in the metadata when you download the. Uh, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write, <laughs> write, write the metadata right now. Cavalcade of crap. A All right, cav- there you well, go. I'm writing the metadata early. You I'm, do ri- that. I'm writing the metadata during the show. Uh, Lionsgate on Blu-ray, Fifty Cent in Blood Out. Getting in was easy. Dud. Yeah, it is kind of a dud. Uh, not worth it on DVD or on Blu-ray. And anyway, whatsoever, it this is just so generic gang hood movie stuff. And I totally respect that uh, 50 Cent wants to kind of be the man and, and start making movies. But, you know, honestly, Mark, what does not ring true about the cover of this Blu-ray? That uh, 50 Cent's on it. No, no. Look at look at. You can tell what character he plays. He's very. It's very intentional. Look at him. Look at the picture. He's a cop. That's it. Fifty cents a cop. He's, no, sorry. Don't he's buy. Gone it. On the other side. I don't buy it. Honestly, oh, uh, the super thug is playing a cop. It oh took my me, god. Do you know how long it took me to accept Ice T as a detective in Law and Order? Uh, six minutes. I, I can't make that jump for another rapper. Honestly, I just can't. It's 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 killing me. So so somehow you can buy. You can't buy fifty cent as a cop, but you can buy Ice T. As like the the family comedy man of uh, of the two thousands. No, I can't do. I can't buy that either. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, Roger Corman presents uh, is something you should be very wary of because Roger Corman doesn't have anything to do with these movies. He's just slapping his name on them as a presentation thing. This was on Sci Fi last year, and this is another one of those. Let's kind of find two. Now that we we've used up all the good movie monsters, let's just fuse them. You know, like. Uh, Manimal and 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 uh, there's like a whole bunch of them that, that, that they've come out recently. Most of them with the Man Eater series, you know, like uh, like Dino Croc and all that kind well, of stuff. All those movies are are putting sci-fi on the map, which is, I know. which is really kind of a shame. Well, this is Dino- sci-fi was becoming a bit of a prestige name. Yeah, I know it was. Well, now they're making a lot of crap original programming. Uh, boy, I got to tell you, this is uh, Dino Shark. Yes, Dino Shark. You heard me correctly. Um, this is just stupid. This is like uh, somebody said, hey, why don't we just merge Spielberg films? We'll do like, uh, it'll be like Jaws meets Jurassic Park. It's exactly what it tries to be. It's not good. It's really not good. Uh, but you know what? Honestly, um, the Corman name will get them somewhere, and I wish them well, but really not good. Uh, blowing through the crap here, by the way. Here's one that I definitely think you should pick up. Dementia 13, Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Now, uh, Dementia 13, for those of you who don't know, is one of Francis Coppola's first films. There is some dispute as to what his actual first film was, because there's a nudie cutie in there, Tonight I'm Yours, which may or may not have been his first film. But a lot of people more or less acknowledge that Dementia 13 is sort of his first real film. And uh, this is the, you know, the way it's been touted. This is his big screen debut, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, Mark, you ever seen Dementia 13? I have not. It's not bad. It's interesting. It's not a Coppola film. It but almost you, feels like a Brian De Palma film. It does. But you almost you can tell that he's got talent and he's trying to do something interesting. And he's been given an interesting opportunity just fresh out of film school. 
and uh, so he's you know taking a little bit of money and trying to sort of uh, make a make a bit of a resume piece out of it. All right, fair enough. Uh, not a lot by way of extras on here. I really, really could have used a, a commentary because that's the one thing that th- th- this has never had in any of its million previous incarnations. But it has previously been only available in so, so many public domain releases, which are all tr- dreadful. This is a DVD and a pretty good Blu-ray, and I didn't think the Blu-ray would be that good, but it is, actually. 5.1 audio, uh, you get the trailer, you get a little bit of poster art, and... Um, a, a restoration demo, which is, you know, middling. But um, they actually went and found a 35-millimeter print and did a pretty good job uh, mastering it. So I, uh, I'll i tell you, it's for, for, a, for a weird kind of almost exploitation-y murder mystery thing that has no bearing whatsoever on uh, Coppola's career. It doesn't really look like a Coppola film. If you are into Coppola, it's interesting. It certainly is interesting. Um, the Terror is another film that I am particularly keen on. And this is a real Corman film. This was produced by Corman and directed by Corman. And uh, you know what's really interesting about The Terror? We talk, well, The Terror is featured in our documentary, Schlock, The Secret History of American Movies, which Ray Green and I made some years ago. And uh, The Terror is really a pivotal film in it because it's got Jack Nicholson in it uh, in one of his very first roles alongside Boris Karloff. That's a great Six Degrees of Separation. It is. Boris Karloff and Jack Nicholson. Yes, in the same movie. In the same movie. Just like uh, Robert De Niro and Albert Brooks. That's right. Too. Yeah, there you Taxi go. Taxi driver. That's right. All of them from the 70s. Well, this actually is, uh, this is, you know, just at the end of the 60s. But uh, actually, not bad. It's really bizarre. And, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson is, uh, you know, it, he, he's supposed to be a guy from uh, Napoleon's army. And he winds up stranded on a beach. And Boris Karloff is this weird guy with this big castle. And there's all this real gothic mumbo-jumbo. None of it that makes any sense. But... Um, it's really interesting. A lot of people directed this film. A lot of people directed this film. Uh, you know, Corman took the directing credit, but he let all kinds of other people just have a shot at it. One of whom, by the way, was Coppola, and the last day of shooting was directed by Jack Nicholson, because he said, "Hey, you let everybody else have a shot at this. Why not me?" So Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson also uh, wrote uh, or co-wrote the Monkey's film Head. I know, sweet, huh? Awesome. Those are good days, man. Those are good days. Good, good decade. times. Good times. I'm getting through the crap here, Mark. I'm, I'm bullying through. So uh, I'm going to let you get started on some docs, you know, sort through, see what we want to talk about on the doc front. But I'm going to uh, move on to The Dorm That Dripped Blood from Synapse, who releases a lot of good exploitation stuff, a lot of good cult stuff. This is also a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. Uh, the uncensored director's cut, not any better by any means than any other cut that you've ever seen, and this thing's been cut to death over the years. But Dorm the Drip Blood is, uh, is kind of cheesy, but in a good way. And um, this actually features some great extras. The audio commentary with uh, directors Jeffrey Obrow and uh, Stephen Carpenter, actually very, very informative. You also get interviews with uh, the uh, uh, composer, Christopher Young, who's a very good composer, by the way been around I didn't realize he's been around this long because this is a 1981 film and uh, the makeup guy Matthew Mungle who, hey, his name's Mungle that's yeah, a okay <laughs> well, I don't know how to react to that uh, anyway um, no this is uh, this is pretty cool and for some reason they include a reversible uh, cover with you know so that you can kind of flip the cover and have uh, alternate artwork I don't know what the point of that is but anyway it's a surprisingly good blu-ray transfer from a uh, 35 millimeter answer print of the original director's cut, which a lot of people thought was originally lost. So, again, not any better than any other cut. Um, but if you'd heard about Death Dorm, which was apparently the original title of this thing, when in its alternate cut, well, yeah, not bad. So, it's, uh, you know, it's a cheesy movie, but uh, it's one of those cheesy movies that stood the test of time. And then, uh, still in the exploitation jungle, before we move on to some docs, and then we've got some real movies later, so I'm just getting the exploitation junk out of the way here. Uh, is a Radley Metzger film, The Licorice Quartet, which is from Cult Epics, who's released some uh, Radley Metzger stuff before. This is on Blu-ray. Cult Epics has not released any Blu-rays before. What? I know. Cult Epics finally finally getting into the BD game. Uh, anyway, um, this is, uh, you know, Radley Metzger was kind of like the softcore nude guy uh, that was not uh, Russ Meyer, right? So... You know, he sort of held down the other end of the uh, the, the Russ Meyer spectrum 
In some, and at a certain point, he wound up making better films than Russ Meyer, although the best of his films don't even compare with Russ Meyer. Uh, the thing that I love on here is an audio commentary with Radley Metzger and Michael Bowen. Michael Go- Bowen, who is featured again in our great documentary, Schlock, The Secret History of American Movies, and who was uh, in our documentary, he's featured because he was uh, Doris Wishman's biographer. But he's very much an expert on exploitation film. And uh, Michael's a good guy. We spent a good lot of time with him for our doc. And uh, hearing him do the commentary with Radley Metzger brought a tear to my eye. Uh, this is, um, you know, do I really need to tell you what this is about? It's got naked women and, and it's people in, you know, copulating. There you go. Uh, and by the way, the Licorice Quartet, it's spelled L-I-C-K-E-R-I-S-H. And, of course, you know, this is uh, 1970. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice was considered too tame in uh, Radley Metzger's uh, world, so why not? Honestly, why not? A little 11-minute uh, featurette on here on the making of the film. Really good transfer. And, uh, you know, give Cult Epics a, a, a little bit of applause for uh, going Blu-ray on us. I don't want to. And then lastly, on the cult front, want to uh, give a shout-out for the Warner Archive release. Remember, you've got to go to warnerarchive.com to find these. Uh, they have released Hold On. Mark? Do you remember what Hold On is? They only got... This is originally an MGM film. This is uh, one of those things that they inherited. This is Herman's Hermits in Hold On. Oh, yeah. See? You see, we were, you were talking about the monkeys in Head earlier. You forgot a lot of bands. Once the monk, once the uh, the Beatles started showing up in movies, all of these other bands wanted to get on, uh, get on the act. And uh, this is not bad, actually. Uh, MGM went and got Herman's Hermits in a really fun movie. And uh, I... I honestly think this is uh, this is a pretty great little uh, weird, eccentric, unknown, kind of a teen thing from, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, that's what it is. It's Herman's what? Hermits. What? Most people don't even know who Herman's Hermits are anymore. But they were part of that whole, you know, Beatles and, and Monkeys thing. So there we go. I'm, I'm done with the, with, the, with the culty stuff. Yeah. Dock me out. Well, Wade, uh, here's what we have to begin with. We have the uh, DVD and Blu-ray of a four-part PBS series called Making Stuff. And this is... Well, I've actually seen some of this. Yeah, this is interesting stuff. This is, uh, I mean, it's very specialized, but uh, if you actually were to pop this into your player, you'd... uh, You'd learn how to make a player? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Yes, it'll be a stronger, cleaner, smaller, and smarter. Well, you'd learn how to be a player. Yeah, a player. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you learn all sorts of... Wade, here's, here's what you learn. What do you learn? The only reason why steel is stronger than iron yes. is because steel has carbon in it. Ah, uh, wow. Look at that. Huh? So but there's actually other substances that are even stronger, like Kevlar. And spider silk is actually stronger than steel, Wade. This is what you learn. So Spider-Man could really kick the man of steel's butt. That's right. You know it. Uh. And, uh, you know... They do break it up into chapters stronger, cleaner, smaller, smarter. And okay. like smaller, they talk about how like the watch was basically the very first personal computer in, in, in a weird sense. Wow. Okay. Because it's kind of true. Anyway, so that's making stuff uh, specialized, but uh, it's kind of cool. Um, I have mixed feelings about the uh, TMC uh, miniseries Moguls and Movie Stars, A History of Hollywood. That's a Peter Bart thing, right? This is... Uh, Although that, that kind of does look like Peter Bart. Although, the, although the, it's funny because the guy looks like like your typical like. Well, this uh, isn't no. This isn't the the Peter Bart the, the thing that uh, no Peter Bart Bart, did. Uh, the Peter Bart and Peter Goober thing. No, they, they, didn't they, they? No, didn't Peter Bart host something on uh, on TMX? Uh, no, four oh nine. I thought Peter Bart had a, had some kind of thing where he was he was interviewing. He alone was interviewing a bunch of moguls. Yeah, what was that? I think it was called Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. No, they, didn't they do a thing where he was interviewing various various studios? Well, you go on and IMDb and look that up. I'm going to find it. While I talk about the TMC original series, Moguls and Movie Stars. Um, you know, there's so much to be said about the birth of Hollywood and how Hollywood got started, how, how the town of Hollywood wound up getting developed, how uh, D.W. Griffith helped bring in the feature-length era and about the production code and the studio system. This one, Moguls and Movie Stars, it'll get you through it, but man, is it dry. It really is. It's, uh, it's three discs. There's seven episodes broken up into decades, and uh, it's just so dry, but you know, it's not uninteresting, I guess. If you want a primer on it, I kind of like the packaging. It looks like a little book. 
Yes, I'm thinking of bombs and blockbusters. Interesting. That's what I'm thinking about. So, which, uh, which was on HBO, by the way. Moguls and movie stars, bombs and blockbusters. That's yeah, you know HBO TMC. Yeah, it's all the same. Exactly. Anyway, so uh, moguls and uh, movie stars. Uh, Interesting information, very dry presentation, uh, but you learn all about the early moguls like Goldwyn and Warner and Selznick and Zanuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. I just wish it was a little, uh, you know, Ken Burns would have made that something really super cool. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. PBS Broken Tale, A Tiger's Last Journey. This is on Blu-ray and DVD. This is interesting stuff. It's um, This thing was shot by this uh, wildlife dude, and he spent almost – Two years at the Ranthambore National Park in northern India, and they are famous for a lot of the Indian wildlife. But they're really famous for the for the Bengal tigers who that live in this uh, national park. And this guy, Colin Stafford Johnson, and a local guide spent 600 days in this park and uh, meeting all the uh, Bengal tigers. Bengal tigers, by the way, stronger than steel. Really. Good okay. stuff. If, if, if you're into nature docs, good stuff. Other nature docs include oceans. I like, I like tigers better than I like lions. Oh, my. I'm just saying. Because uh, they have stripes. Yes, they do. How about zebras? There are no tigers in Africa, by the way. You know that? I did not know that. There are no tigers in Africa. Why is that? I have friends from Africa, and, and, and they will jump all over you if you go, yeah, I, I like Africa because they have tigers. They will, like, beat you. What if Tiger Woods plays in Africa? No. They have lions in Africa. They have tigers in India and Southeast Asia. Damn it. There you go. The things you learn on this show. Gods at digigods.com. That's why, that's why all those old Tarzan things are so stupid when like a, he's in the Africa in some jungle and a tiger will show up. They have tigers in Africa. I, what, now, so, so why do you know that? Because I have friends from Africa. It, it's a bone of contention with them. It might as well be polar bears in Africa. Get out of your mind. Uh, okay, Oceans, Volume 1. This is a PBS Explorer collection, which is their fancy way of saying that they've taken um, uh, four DVDs and thrown them into one big set. Under the Sea with Al Giddings, Visions of the Sea, Ocean Odyssey, and Treasures of the Great Barrier Reef. The one I like the best is the uh, Great Barrier Reef stuff from Australia. It's just, it's just so gorgeous, and the photography is so gorgeous. And um, two of these, though, do have um, Al Giddings in it. And Al Giddings, I had never heard of this guy. It turns out he's like the American uh, Jacques Cousteau. This guy is an, an incredible underwater adventure and takes on all sorts of crazy trips and uh, gorgeous photography, crazy fish and turtles and sea creatures you never knew existed. Mm. So for the oceanographer, for the sea fetishist yeah. in your family. So if he's, the Ameri- if he's the American Jacques Cousteau, who would the French Weird Al Yankovic be? I've seen Will Yankovic in concert twice. I'll have you know. That tells me a lot about you. That's true. Moving I on. really did. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Wild West. I've I've, I've had my uh, Ooh, I've had my uh, what? You you and the uh, you and all of those Earp guys. Yeah, I, I had a thing where I was reading a lot about Wyatt Earp. Um, that's why I'm kind of into this uh, PBS thing, Wild West Volume One. Now this is an American Experience collection. This is also part of the Explorer collection, and. Um, now, this is not the wild, wild west. It's way. just the wild west. I don't want to get you all excited. It's less wild than the wild, wild west. Exactly. I see. There are six um, Blu-rays here, DVDs here. They didn't send us the Blu-ray. Yeah. It's, it's not, available right? on Blu-ray, but we didn't, we didn't get it. They probably could have fit all six of these onto one Blu-ray. I know. I'm telling you. It's, <laughs> it's a thing, right? Annie Oakley, who was a, uh, one of the classic uh, trick shooters, a woman who was a trick shooter in the uh, late uh, 19th century. Amazing. Buffalo Bill and his Wild West Circus. Uh, Geronimo, which is the one I'm, I was least interested in. Jesse James is great. Kit Carson is great. And, of course, White Earp, who was sort of the ultimate. I think uh, in terms of lawmen, I think White Earp is the ultimate uh, Western uh, figure. Booyah. And uh, Jesse James on the other side of the law is uh, pretty much the ultimate. I really like the Jesse James one because, you know, and White Earp's the same way. They've both become such mythic figures, but they were real people. You know, White Earp is famous because, you know, the OK Corral and the idea that in his entire career as a lawman, he never got shot. And that sort of added to his mystique. mystique. Right. And, and White Earp lived until like the, 19, late, the late, late 1920s. I mean, he, he lived to help. Hollywood make those early Western films. I know, including in the one in which Chekhov gets killed, but 
doesn't really get killed. Yeah, because Spock make, Sp- Spock's like, I can pretend like the bullets aren't real. And then Kirk <laughs> says, but well, we, we, we can't be that certain because we're just human. And then Spock gives them all mind melts so that they can pretend the bullets aren't real. And then they all live. It's awesome. Uh, before we get to the before we get to the great doc of the week, uh, we have uh, a Blu-ray of Human Planet. This is the complete series of Human Planet. This is the uh, the original BBC version narrated by John Hurt. John Hurt, yeah, Harry Potter, V for Vendetta. Seen, John seen, Hurt. seen him on uh, stage. And uh, you know, you would be amazed how humans uh, have populated the planet. It's a, it's amazing. From the uh, for, look, there are humans who live in the Arctic. Yeah, like freezing to death, but God love them. They live in rainforest. They live in tiny islands. They live in in barren deserts. I mean, space humans, stations. Space stations. I mean, yeah. you know, you'd be surprised. Humans like uh, rule this damn place. Yeah. And so, Human Planet, the complete series on Blu-ray, looks gorgeous. Is are all they introduce you to some of these crazy tribes and interesting people with with like almost dead languages. There's like you know one tribe speaks this language, otherwise it'd be dead. Does anyone at any point in this series say uh, humans are de bombio? Uh, no, but uh, uh, okay. at one point uh, they're handed a, a book. Yes, and they think it's uh, all about how to help them. Yeah, and it turns but out it's that it's a cookbook. It's yeah. a yeah. Anyway, uh, 20th century uh, American war with Mike Wallace. Uh, you know, Mike Wallace is, he's, is, is he not dead yet? No, uh, he's not going to. It, honestly, he, he's like he's he's put, he's eighty something now, and really it's is. unreal. The guy, it just doesn't stop. I'm sure he's a. I'm sure if you saw him in person, he'd just be a doddering old fool. Well, anyway, but don't you think? I, I, you know what? He he has hearing aids, but he's still very sharp, very sharp. But you know, his son Chris Wallace is uh, on Fox News, and he's kind of like his dad, except not as damn good looking. Who is as good looking? Yeah, no, this is this is from Athena. I love all that Athena stuff. You know, that's the uh, educational line for um, for uh, Acorn, and uh, they really they do, they always have these. You know, it's I feel like I'm back in school, but in a good way when I watch that Athena stuff. It's really good. Uh, the Blu-ray of the week, which um, I think I might just uh, take for myself. You're, you, I know you. You are a Dylan man. Is uh, Bob Dylan's "Don't Look Back"? This is uh, the all-time classic D.A. Pennebaker film. And uh, the movie is all about a Dylan tour back in 1965. This is his second tour in the UK. Now you gotta understand, in 1965, it was all about the British music scene. It was Led Zeppelin and uh, you know Pink Floyd and the Beatles. And here comes this uh, this this kid Dylan from the United States. He's just tearing it up because he the goes UK. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he does. And uh, there's great performances. And at this point, Dylan, you know, he was such a he was so rebellious, singing about uh, politics and drugs and all this stuff that was just crazy for the time. And, uh, you know, the movie is very rough-looking, which is how Pennebaker wanted it. Don't forget, we're talking about, you know, s- stuff shot on 8mm or 16mm. Yeah, totally. This is not like sh- – they're, they're not shooting on, on, on the red in 1965. So this is just an all-time classic. It looks um, – very, uh, it's high definition because it's Blu-ray, but I have to say it looks very rough and grainy because that's the source material is rough and grainy. Um, there is a bonus disc called 65 Revisited, which is fascinating. There's a Grail Marcus interview with D.A. Pennebaker. There's uh, five uncut audio tracks, a commentary by Pennebaker, and the, uh, the road manager back then, Bob Newworth, which is just fascinating. For those who uh, don't, for those who maybe don't know Bob Dylan that well, they might remember the music video very early music video for Subterranean Homesick Blues, where he uh, he uses the, the the big cue cards, and he just and each cue card has one one word on it. Oh yeah, he yeah, yeah, totally. That's been imitated card. a thousand times. Yeah, that's from this film. Awesome. So uh, it's just a, it's, it's all time classic. What can I tell you, Bob Dylan? Don't look back. Blu-ray, get it for the music lover. Yeah. In your life. All right, Mark. I'm going to talk about a little foreign stuff now. No, seriously, it's just a few things, just a few foreign films this week. Uh, we'll have more next week, but I got to tell you, this movie, Three Idiots, uh, drove me absolutely out of my bonkers. It, it, <laughs> out it of really, your bonkers? It drove me out of my bonkers. This is this film became a gigantic, gargantuan monster hit in India. This is like the Titanic of India, Okay. Uh, and I had heard all about it, went to a screening of it, and at the end of it, I just, I thought, what the, what, what the did I just see? What the dilly? And I immediately emailed a friend of mine, 
Steve, who's Indian, no. and I said, seriously, uh, would you please uh, like answer for your people? What is up with this movie? He said, I don't know. It's terrible, and everybody thinks it's great. So, uh, you know, at least there are some sensible people in India, but there's just no accounting for some of the things that become popular in India. Just like here, you know, sometimes the most popular stuff, you just you shake your head and you just go, I don't get it. Anyway, uh, Amir Khan is the best thing about this. He plays one of the three guys in it, and I love Amir Khan. Amir Khan is just a great producer, a tremendous star. I'm sorry that he's in this. There is no way to describe this just bizarre, weird, quirky comedy-slash-melodrama this is completely insane. It's like a little bit of Forrest Gump, a little bit of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, it's just strange. And um, there's, it's kind of a mystery at the same time. These, the, over all the years, these, three, these guys and the, their friendship, and then the, the one that disappeared. And then it, like, there's a but whole— But are they idiots? You know what? It's just it's weird, melodramatic, slapstick comedy madness. And— I don't recommend this to anybody unless you just want to sit there and roll your eyes and say, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why did that movie even get made? Uh, slightly more on the to-be-recommended to end of things, I am not a big fan of Alejandro Jodorowsky. Uh, Jodorowsky is, of course, a kind of a... He's a shock surrealist, right? You know, he's the guy that... Uh, he's one of these... Uh, one of these Spanish-language surrealists who made very bizarre, surreal, odd movies back in the 1970s. And uh, they, I don't think they age very well, but they continue to have a huge following. Two of them are now out on Blu-ray, uh, The Holy Mountain and El Topo. El Topo is the one that people usually just, every once in a while you'll, hear, you'll meet somebody really pretentious, some real just uber film snob weirdo of whom we have plenty in, uh, in the L.A. film critics, will just say, you've never seen El Topo? <laughs> you know? What kind of film critic are you? It's like, you've never seen anything by Stan Brakhage? You know what? Stan Brakhage, I, I understand why he's important. He, his junk is intolerable. It, I, just, I can't watch it for more than 30 seconds. I just roll my eyes and I go, yeah, I, I get it. He, like, scratches film and, uh, you know, he, like, like, spits on it and then he projects it and it's some kind of great, weird artwork. I understand. I, and, I, you know what? I understand Bob Kohler. You do, don't you? I'm sure Bob loves yeah. Stan Brackett. I don't know. Never had that conversation. But, you know, Jodorowsky has a following, and people like all of his weird, symbolic metaphor. This is, you know, I, I think he just throws weird junk in there knowing that somebody's going to try to find some symbolic meaning in it. And there probably isn't. But, he, you know, he's fine with that. So, anyway, both of these transfers, very good. Both of them from Anchor Bay. Um, really, really very good work on, on getting uh, difficult films to look good on Blu-ray. And, you know, that, this is no small feat because these are extremely visual films. They are by no means pristine in their elements, but um, they did a very, very good job of kind of restoring them to the way that they need to look. And a lot of Blu-rays of uh, cult films and especially older cult films that have intense visual uh, schematics do not necessarily make that extra effort. So Anchor Bay has really done a great number here. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the director, but a lot of people are, and if you are, you will not be disappointed. So these are, for Jodorowsky fans, must-have Blu-rays. And uh, then, down here, Mark, let's have a debate about The Scent of Green Papaya. Why? I don't know. I, I suspect that you're a big fan. Are you? Why would I be a big fan of it? I don't know. I'm just going out on a limb. I'm taking a, taking a stab at it. Uh, hey, it's an Oscar nominee, man. Best foreign film. I know it was. The first Vietnamese film ever nominated for an Oscar, even though it was not shot in Vietnam. It just happens to be An Tran Hung, who is a Vietnamese filmmaker, but lives in France and makes all of his movies in France. So it's basically a French film. Uh, you know what? This is the kind of film that I should absolutely adore. And for some reason, I don't. I find it kind of tedious. And I saw this at Cannes the year that it made its big, smashing debut. And I think he actually won the camera door that year for this. Yeah, you know, the camera door um, is, is this enormous door. Yes. It's got like a doorknob for on it. For those who don't know, the camera, the camera door is sponsored. Mark's, Mark's being goofy. The camera door is the, the one awarded can that, is, that can, kind of crosses all different sections. So in other words, if you're in the director's fortnight, you don't stand a chance of necessarily winning the official competition. And if you're in certain regard, you obviously can't you know, win an award in the director's fortnight or the official competition. But they're all eligible for the camera door if it's a first-time film. So it kind of it cuts laterally across all the sections to give an award sponsored by Kodak to the best first-time filmmaker anywhere at the Cannes Film Festival. And uh, I think, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, that uh, Hung did win for this film. But 
Anyway, the uh, this is from the Kino Lorber uh, Library, and the Blu-ray is dazzling. Now, it's been on DVD before, and it just happens to be re-released on DVD now in tandem with the Blu-ray, but forget about the, blu- the, the DVD. It's all about the Blu-ray with this film. This is, all other things notwithstanding, a staggering, gorgeous, unbelievably beautifully photographed film. It is uh, almost worth getting the Blu-ray just to show people how, how it captures detail in extremely difficult lighting situations. It is a great reference DVD. I'm sorry, great reference Blu-ray uh, to really show off what your television and what your system can do. So uh, that notwithstanding, uh, I kind of find the movie a little bit boring. I'm kind of there with you. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a wonderful recreation of that particular, that, that uh, colonial romance period in Vietnam. But it's, uh, you know what, it's kind of, it's a, it's a romance. It's a very, very platonic romance that takes for, you know, c- cuts across classes that takes forever to develop. And uh, I just felt like this was, uh, you know, a guy trying to do a Wong Kar Wai movie without necessarily doing a Wong Kar Wai movie. So I would, uh, I would say In the Mood for Love is a better film that kind of has many of the same similar elements. Don't make me sing. I'm but it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. All right, Mark, shall we? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's jump. Oh, come on. You're holding those criteria. All right, in your fine. We'll, we'll hit the criterions. Yeah. A couple of Criterion Blu rays this week uh, John Travolta, Nancy Allen in Brian De Palma's. Give it to me, Mark. Uh, blow up. Y- blow out. Antonioni. No, see, blow, I, I think blow up is the is, is the visual. Yes, Antonioni film. For, yeah, the Antonio that that that's the one where he he thinks he sees something yeah. that he took a picture of. Yeah. Whereas in Blow Out, Travolta thinks he hears something he took an audio recording of. Well, what's interesting, you know, here's the thing. This is when De, uh, De Palma was kind of mimicking Hitchcock, and what's sort of cool here is that he's doing. He's kind of he he, he said you know what why don't I take both Rear Window and blow out or blow up and kind of marry elements of the two and maybe even throw a few other Hitchcock films in there like a little bit of uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much and whatnot and you and you you do get a very interesting fusion here I mean I thought this film was junk when I uh, first saw it when it was released and I actually look back on it and considering how crappy movies are now I'm like wow that really is a kind of a cool movie Oh, totally. Made in 1981, uh, same year as The Dorm That Dripped Blood. This is a better film than The Dorm That Dripped Blood. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, honestly, you know what? You know how wide this was? I mean, this is like a ribbon on your, on your widescreen television. This is 240. Which this is, is weird wide, because, wide, widescreen. Which is weird because it's not like a space movie or Lawrence of Arabia. No, but, you know, he just, he, why, he just knocked it out of the park. He said, I'm going to make a wide movie. Well, because he had done this right after he, he did this after he finished Dress to Kill. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just think this is a terrific movie. And you know what else is really terrific on here? Uh, I am not a Noah Baumbach fan. You are. I am. I don't. I don't know wh- how they made this this marriage, but there's a, an hour long interview with De Palma by Noah Baumbach on here, you and know, it's really good. You know, there was a. It's uh, really good. Uh, Baumbach helped. There was some sort of retros- uh, De Palma retrospective. Yeah. It might have been in New York. I can't remember. But I think Baumbach helped uh, yeah, who helped knew? arrange that. Yeah. Who knew? Nancy Allen does a new interview on here. And, shot uh, by Vilmos Zygmunt? Yeah. Vilmos. Uncle Vilmos, Papa Zygmunt. We love him. Close Encounters, right? He won an Oscar for Close Encounters. Right. Uh, no, you also have uh, De Palma's 1967 feature, Murder a la Mod, on here, which is a, a nice little kind of weird groovy uh, throwback uh, tidbit to throw in on the extras. And uh, you even get an interview with cameraman Garrett Brown, who was one of the first guys to do extensive Steadicam work in a movie on this. Now, this and uh, The Shining Shining. were two of the first movies that really heavily employed Steadicam work. So uh, it's very, very interesting to, just from a a, a film perspective, to... uh, to go back on that. So anyway, terrific. Uh, you know, Blu-ray of uh, Let me give me. He's good. I want to see again. Me borrow. And then Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Blu-ray, baby. I hate this movie. Really? I so hate this film. I so hate this film. You know why? Here's why I hate this film. First of all, uh, you know, not a big Hunter S. Thompson fan. Because Hunter S. Thompson is a guy that no one should do an impersonation of. Because he's doing an impersonation of himself to awesome. begin with all the time. And if you are going to do it, you'd better be Bill Murray and wear the Buffalo robe. 
Or you'd be me who once went to Vegas and took a hit of acid and walked around the casinos and felt like I was uh, uh, Hunter felt S. Like I was Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> okay. I really did. Don't, well, tell my, don't tell my mother that, though. Okay, I'll just that tell I, her to listen to this show. That I took a hit of acid while in, uh, I mean, uh, of ecstasy okay. uh, while I was in Vegas and there the carpeting started to move a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Groovy. Well, uh, story. Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp basically is not doing Hunter S. Thompson. Johnny Depp is doing Groucho Marx. He is. He's doing Groucho Marx in this damn movie. Awesome. I think this is when uh, Terry Gilliam went completely off the rails. But that being said, it, it, look. And by the way, you know, when, 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 you, uh, when, when you see. Um, it's the original hangover. It yeah, is. It's true. It's the original hangover. But when you see um, Rango, which you know you didn't see, which I liked I a know. lot. That character, yeah. Rango, the Rango character, is ba- it looks like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. In fact, the one sheet, the Rango one sheet, looks like the uh, I know. We, we, one we sheet. talked about that. We talked about that. Well, anyway, uh, Johnny Depp, Benicio Del Toro, completely overacting like crazy. Benicio Del Toro with a huge gut. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people love this movie. More power to you. Uh, it's a great Blu-ray. It's got all the same extras uh, in, in the uh, previous uh, Criterion release. And uh, that's a lot, by the way. I mean, there's an, you know, there's just a ton of stuff here. Great stuff, but you know, you have to actually like the movie. The one thing on here that I almost think makes it worthwhile is a BBC documentary from 1976 with uh, Hunter S. Thompson. So uh, that's that's actually quite interesting. But he's such a larger than life character, you know. You realize who the who the original director was supposed to be? No. Lee Tamahori. Was he really? Yes, but he wasn't really? available. Oh, my gosh. What has happened to him? I know. Mm. And lastly, on the uh, new movie front, before we kind of jump in and uh, do a little bit of television here, uh, is Jolene. Now, Jolene, there's a very interesting backstory to Jolene. Uh, This is directed by Dan Ireland, who uh, has done a number of very, very good films, Mrs. Palfrey at the Claremont and The Whole Wide World, which was the uh, the first film that Renee Zellweger kind of burst to fame in. Uh, you know, and playing, now she's dead. Well, Vin- Vincent D'Onofrio plays, uh, you know, the, what's his name, the author who created Conan the Barbarian and all those things. Uh, Melly yeah. Melstie? Exactly, yes. No, it, I mean, that's actually a very, very good film, uh, The Whole Wide World. And, uh, you know, good performance from D'Onofrio, good performance from Renee Zellweger. This is actually based on a, an E.L. Doctorow short story, and uh, Doctor O was very fond of the film, like more so than any other movie based on anything else he'd ever written. Even but Ragtime. Even Ragtime. Uh, but Dan Ireland ran into all kinds of uh, roadblocks in trying to get the film finished the way he needed to, the way he wanted to. I mean, it turned into one of those independent film fiascos. And I know this because you're going to laugh about this. Uh, Dan Ireland is actually a friend of Pete Hammond's. And uh, when I heard about the problems that the film was having... I called Pete Hammond. I said, I, I, want, I want to help him out. You know, and he, he put me in touch with Dan Ireland. I talked to Dan, and he said, yeah, it's at a standstill, blah, 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 blah. And uh, about a year later, everything kind of thawed, and the movie was able to get its distribution and finally get properly released. But it was, uh, it was a hard road. And you know what? It's a little bit like an American Mall Flanders, this, this woman who she's a young girl and all of these just dreadful things happen to her when she's young she's taken advantage of you know her first husband he, he winds up committing suicide and she's kind of, I mean she's too young to be getting married to begin with and then it's just this this endless stream of adventures that take her through this uh, you know cascade of men and across the country and uh, it's really kind of sad and yet inspiring at the same time the uh, interesting thing about this is it's the first film for Jessica Chastain who plays the lead part who's very good in it should have gotten a lot more notice last year, but it just didn't get the distribution. But Jessica Chastain, do you know what she's going to be seen in next? Oh, Star Wars. No. It's in competition at Cannes. And oh. it's the film that I'm waiting for more than any other film this year. Really? Yes, it is. What is it? Tree of Life, baby. Oh, Tree of Life. She plays the mom in Tree of Life. Really? So from, you know, Dan Ireland launched another career. Now she's off and doing uh, Terrence Malick stuff. I cannot wait to see that. I can't. Uh, you know what? I'm trying not to read much about it because you'll, gotta, you'll, you'll wind up getting all crazy. I know. I know. I'm already crazy. I'm already harassing the publicists every week. I'm saying, is there a screening I can see? Please? Please? Before can? Please? I'll be silent. I won't tell anybody. That, like on the re- podcast. Who's, who's, uh, who's, repres- who's doing that film? I'm not telling you. You're not telling me on the no, show. But when, no. we're done, when we're when done. When we're done, I'll let you know. But I got dibs on the review. I'm just letting you know. I've already put the word in. I, I'm the guy. I'm I'm the Malik guy. Gonna, I, you know what? I just want to crank out my quota, yeah. and that's it. I don't. I I, re- I, re- I reviewed uh, the Thin Red Line, and I reviewed uh, the New World, and I'm going to review this one. Okay. That's what I want. 
You, you I want got my, it. I want my Malik. I want my Malik. All he's right. Really upped his, uh, he's really upped his, uh, his output. His output. All, it's only one film every, every seven years now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we do a little bit of TV, Mark? Yeah, the PJ season one. This was a big, big deal on Fox because it uh, was an ad, uh, kind of sort of this claymation film that starred the voice of Eddie Murphy. Woo. This is back when Eddie Murphy was sort of like kind of something. And uh, this thing won a couple of primetime Emmy Awards. It hobbled along for a few seasons. Uh, it was never, it never really took off. Let's face it. Loretta Devine's also in it. Uh, Cassie Davis, the voice of Cassie Davis, also in it. And uh, it's just about this uh, family living the projects. And it's um, it's, it's good animation. I'm, I was kind of surprised that it didn't last longer than it did. Well, it's pretty funky looking animation. I mean, this, yeah, but it this, was good but the animation, animation. It's almost like y- animation like this. You can you can take in a short. Yeah, that's true. But in a 22-minute episode every single week, that's, that's hard to swallow. It just had such great characters, good voices. I really dug it. Well, Ed, Eddie Murphy was very hes very funny in it. Yeah. So I, I'd pass on that. I would also pass on um, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the complete sixth season. The French Prince of Bel-Air? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, the Fresh. I yes, see. the last season of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 24 yeah. uh, episodes on three discs. And... Uh, I know. I know how you feel about it. Uh, it's probably a little bit uh, how I feel about uh, the next two that we're going to talk about. But this had the blooper episode, though. I know. Season six had oh, the blooper that, episode. Well, there you That's go. That's funny. That's great stuff. I like stuff. that one. You know what? It launched Will Smith's career. It showed people that he was not just a rapper, that he could act. I and, love Will uh, Smith. He's awesome. I know. Totally I mean, charming. Yeah, he is. The complete third season of According to Jim. Um, you know, this is the worst tagline I've ever seen here on the <laughs> Comedy Begins at Home. Really? That's going to... Ooh, what a great tagline. Turn, all, all turn know, that on. All I know is that in, another, in more proof there's no God, Yeah. fate took away John Belushi and left us with Jim Belushi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a terrible show, but it's just... It's another one of those, like, honeymooners knockoffs, right? It's, yeah, the, it, the fat, uh, middle-class dad. With the, the, with wife the, with the long-suffering wife who's, who's way too hot for him who's always got to be putting up with his juvenile shenanigans. I mean, truly, you watch this and you just go, you know, he's just doing Jackie Gleason. That's all he's doing. But it's okay. I mean, it's not a terrible series. And um, third season, it's kind of, you know, getting its sea legs. And uh, it's a it's a decent show, but um, there's nothing spectacular here. If, you, if, you're, if, don't, if you're a fan, fine. If you haven't discovered it, there's no point in discovering it. Uh, likewise, The House of Pain, Tyler, Harry, Tyler Perry's House of Pain, I should say. Boo. Uh, this I don't is, like Tyler Perry. I respect him, don't like him. I like him, and I respect him, just don't like his TV shows. Uh, this has 24 episodes. Episode They actually number the episodes. This is Volume 7, Episodes 125 through 148, if you're keeping track. If you're a fan who actually knows, oh my gosh, really, that's got num- episode 132? That's great. Uh, you know what? It's not a good show. It just—it's really obvious, and for some reason, this show has a following as well. I—it annoys the crap out of me. It's—you—I ju- just can't watch more than about five minutes at a time. So, if more power to you if you're a fan of it. Um, I will say I'm also a bit perplexed by the popularity of Glee. Now, Glee Encore um, is not episodes from Glee. This is for people who just want to see. Um, all the musical numbers put together. Like, this is literally back-to-back musical numbers from the first season, and uh, that's it. It's just nonstop music. And uh, I guess that has a... You know, you could have done this as some kind of a branching feature, you know, with the first season. You could have just included this as, like, an extras disc. It's not to be a separate release, but I guess they got to milk people for all the money they can. So if you already shelled out for the first season, they're going to try and get you again. Uh, do you get Glee, Mark? You know, the first season it came out, I saw a couple of clips at the office. I work at a cable network, yeah. and we get clips, preview clips. And it seemed kind of cute, I have to it, say. It is kind of cute, but I it gets old. Uh, I haven't really warmed to it otherwise, but the clips I saw look cute, but uh, I'm not of that demographic. Yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not a woman. Anyway. I'm not gay. I'm not 13 <laughs> years old. It's, I was well, never a Glee Club member. It's on Blu-ray. And uh, it's a very nice Blu-ray, 20th Century Fox, uh, you know, doing a better-than-average job. I ripped on them this week, by the way. I haven't Fox? heard. I, I may get banned from their screenings. I'm waiting to see. Because I actually kind of gave a, a backhanded compliment uh, to uh, Water for Elephants on NPR. I said it was, considering how terrible 
the last 10 years of 20th Century Fox films have been, I said this was refreshingly average. <laughs> let's, let's see how that goes over. Oh, so well. Yeah. I don't like American Dad. Wait, I, I'm a big fan of Seth MacFarlane's uh, stuff. I love Family Guy. I just I can't stop laughing at Family Guy. Um, Cleveland Show, I don't like. And um, uh, this show, I don't like. American Dad, this is season, it's got this volume six. My God. Yeah. Three, 18 episodes. I can't of believe show. it's been around this long. I know. I really can't. Yeah. Um, it's about a CIA operative. This guy is Stan Smith, and he's got a wife and a couple of kids, and there's an alien lives in a house and a talking goldfish, all that sort of sort of stuff. Decent special features. Uh, there's audio commentary on select episodes, which is kind of disappointing. There's deleted scenes. A uh, couple and there's a um, uh, couple of making ofs, whatnot. But ultimately, I'm just not a fan of American Dad. I feel like it's trying too hard. Sometimes yeah. there's some good political commentary in there, but it's just trying too hard for me. It just feels like there's the alien. It sounds like Paul Lind, and there's the talking goldfish, and it, it just it's all it's it's not organic anymore. <laughs> it's trying too hard. Well, see, that's how I feel about uh, you know the, the Family Guy. Family Guy, yeah. But family Guy is just like all Family Guy has is a talking dog. Yeah, right. And a talking baby. You know what? After 14 years, South Park still going strong, still really funny. Uh, somehow they just keep it fresh because they're not trying so hard. Uh, they they know where they know where their bread is buttered. Um, this, by the way, this 14th season, which they sent to us on Blu-ray, and which, despite the fact that the animation is like the most rudimentary, intentionally crappy animation in television history, looks great on Blu-ray. I mean, you can actually tell that they're cutouts. It just it emphasizes well, it, it looks how very construction paper. It it you can you actually can see the gra- the crane on the paper. I like that. Yeah, no, it's cool. great. It it just emphasizes just how rudimentary it is. Uh, this, by the way, this season, the fourteenth season on Blu-ray, not only contains uh, the bonus episode, the coon. I mean, seriously, who else has the has the nerve to name an episode the coon? Um, it has a three-part adventure. A three-part adventure. That's one part longer than the Menagerie. That's the same number of parts as the Fembots, okay? As the, as the second Bigfoot adventure with the, with Jamie that crossed over to the Bionic Woman. Three parts. That's how important a three part adventure is. Yeah. Where they reveal the, the uh, they reveal uh, the identity of Mysterion. There you go. Ooh. I know, right? And then uh, lastly, here the complete second season of Growing Pains, uh, starring Kirk Cameron, who has now become a. Uh, just uh, a guy who only shows up in uh, right-wing evangelical Christian movies about the rapture. That's all he does now, and occasionally a documentary about the rapture. Wait, um, on, on May 21st, the world comes to an end. You're sticking with that. I'm not, but they are. I know they are. Who's that guy again? Harold Camping. Uh, Harold Camping. All right. Well, there are no extras on here. Uh, you know what? This show ages absolutely terribly. Alan Thick. I'd forgotten what a strange-looking man he was back in the 80s. He really is a, just a peculiar-looking guy. He had that talk show for ten, 10 seconds and then showed up on Growing Pains. He really looks like uh, he looks like Jaime on uh, Get Smart, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, like Dick Audier. He really has this very strange, non-human appearance. It's deeply, deeply disturbing. Now, the only, the only reason I ever particularly liked this show um, was for Tracy Gold. I thought Tracy Gold was terrific on the show, and then she wound up having all kinds of problems. Isn't she the one who was anorexic or something? Yeah, yeah. She wound up having all kinds of problems. But um, anyway, no extras. Just but if you have, if you're some kind of a weird freaking nostalgia buff, go for it. And then lastly, I want to get this out. Um, a little British television thing. We've got the 40th anniversary edition of Upstairs Downstairs Series One. Mind you, not anything else. Series one, the 40th anniversary edition, the original from Acorn, uh, with six hours of new bonus material, and, which is pretty great. And then, in addition to that, from BBC, there is Upstairs, Downstairs, the new version, uh, which is actually, I think, in many respects, better than the original. So uh, you can, you know, it's it's that comes in kind of a not a very substantial digipack. But uh, if you want to get the old and the new on, they are both out this week. So it's a good time to at least do some rental of the old uh, upstairs downstairs and the new upstairs downstairs and compare and see which one is more upstairs and which one is more downstairs. I think that's it for this week, Mark. It uh, is? Yeah, that's it. So um, you know, we got no screenings this week, do we? I hate movies, Wade. I know. I'm getting there too. It's a very depressing time. Thor supposed to, Thor's supposed to be good. Well, let's hope. We can only hope, right? <laughs>